Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness. That was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. This is your Sunday NFL Divisional Slate preview. On today's show, Sean Kerner and I, Chris Raybon, are going to break down our top DFS plays for the Sunday Slate feature in the Bengals-Bills game and the Cowboys-Niners game. Should be a good one. Yeah. Sean, what's going on? How you feeling what's about these up? two? This is the this um, is the day. This is the best day of the of the year, I think. Uh, I, I was about to say, like you went to like our last pod. This is like my favorite time of year because um, we have less things that we have to keep up to date and juggle and things like that. A little bit more free time, obviously, but we still have football and, oh, yeah. you know, important games. So it, it allows us to dive like super deep in all these matchups. So like I loved our last pod. We can go in more depth on some of these games. Uh, I just love that we get to focus on just four games this weekend. So yeah, this is probably this and like next week in Super Bowl is like probably my favorite time of year. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, the matchups next week are going to be awesome, but yeah. you know, this week I'm looking forward to actually uh, seeing the Bengals and Bills game play out. Oh, uh, yep. And, uh, you know, I, Cowboys Niners, I mean, that brings back shades of well, like Pat Summerall and John Madden and, you know, those old Fox telecasts back in the day. Yeah. Like Steve Young against Troy Aikman or or Joe Montana against Troy Aikman. Or uh, if you go back, I guess, what was it? Uh, was it Montana? Who was the quarterback in the for the Dwight Clark game for, for the Cowboys? Was it uh, that was that was post Starbuck, right? That was like was that was that Mike? Not Mike White. I Mike White, Danny White, Danny White, Danny. Oh, White. Danny White. Is that Danny White era? Now, now I'm curious. I, 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 I'm eight. I'm not that old, so I can't. I don't exactly remember, but let's see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Eighty-one. Dallas. Yeah. Looks like he started fifteen games that year. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I had it. Yeah, uh, that game's yeah. just Debo and Trent Williams leading the way down the tunnel for that game. Um, always my favorite moment for Niner games. Like just, yeah, every matchup this weekend is hyped. Last weekend was kind of lame. We had a couple of third string quarterbacks. We didn't know who was playing. Some of the matchups 
we're lopsided, but every matchup uh, this weekend is uh, going to be great. Uh, I guess just that, I mean, that Bucks game was lopsided unfortunately uh, but i thought the other games were pretty entertaining i mean yeah oh yeah no no i, I mean leading, return you oh the yeah leading, game, well the funny the... thing is leading into <laughs> it i said the bucks cowboys game is going to be the best game yeah i was like bills dolphins Bengals, ravens ah eh, those are going to be shitty and it turned out to be the exact opposite of course so um yeah. but yeah this weekend should be fun any given sunday or saturday uh, <laughs> you never know uh yeah. all right if you heard Sean and I talking player props this week on the Action Network podcast, welcome back for even more good stuff. Hopefully we get some more shmoney. If you have not yet, be sure to check it out over on the Action Network podcast channel. Uh, and you can also hear our DFS preview for the Saturday slate right here on the Fantasy Flex uh, on this channel. That episode uh, is out now as you listen to this one. All right, Bengals, Bills. Five and a half is the line in favor of Buffalo. The total 48 and a half, not too high, I guess. You know, Bengals dealing with uh, three offensive linemen out, which is kind of keeping this total in check. But who do you like in the captain spot? You know where I'm going uh, with this. I'm going with our boy Gabe Davis. Um, and the main reason is you got to play him in the playoffs, as we've learned yes. the past couple seasons. But Josh Allen is playing insanely aggressive right now even for josh allen um in week 18 his average intended air yards is 14.3 uh last week it was an insane 15.5 he is just chucking it right now he's scrambling less too so um that's just setting up the perfect storm for gabe davis who went off for six catches 113 yards and a touchdown last week he's seen 19 targets the past two games so for a guy that you know, has massive upside in general when he's seeing that much volume. Um, I mean, it just makes it even more likely he's going to have a ceiling game. So, uh, you know, just when the Bills are in closer pass-heavy game scripts, that's that's going to help Gabe Davis, obviously. So um, got to go with Gabe uh, in the captain slot here. Yeah, and, uh, you know, some matchup-related reasons to like him as well if you look at the Bengals DVOA splits this year, they're number six against number one wide receivers, but 31st, second to last against number two wide receivers. So uh, on paper, Boom. good matchup as well for Mr. Davis. Hope he keeps balling out. Uh, I like him as well. Uh, Got to go Josh Allen here. Got to go to chalk. Although I, I do have a contrarian play. I'm curious to get your thoughts on oh, okay. in, in a second, but uh, Josh Allen for me, uh, I'm projecting him about five points higher than Burrow, about six, uh, over six more than Chase and uh, nearly seven uh, more than Diggs. So Allen is still, uh, at least for me, uh, the best value uh, mix of value and upside in that, in that spot. And of course, you know, he could do it on the ground. He could th do it through the air. And as you mentioned, he's been very aggressive going downfield. And if he's able to connect with Gabe Davis, uh, you know, that, you know, you might need Gabe in the captain spot. You might need Josh in the captain spot if he's also mm -hmm. able to, to uh, you know, to, to hit, let's say, Diggs or, or Cook or somebody like that. So uh, either way, I think you have a pretty high floor, high ceiling play with Allen in the captain spot. Uh, you just got to be smart with uh, your dart throws. And we'll, we'll talk about some of those guys in a second. But I do want to get your opinion on a contrarian play in the captain spot that I'm thinking of. And so, you know, last week, I was heavy fading Joe Mixon. That was my first bet. I think my first prop of the week was Mixon under his rushing and receiving yards. Uh, didn't look so great in the first quarter, but uh, 
pretty much never in doubt for, throughout the rest of the game. But I think this is an interesting buy low spot on Mixon as a contrarian game script captain here, you mm-hmm. know, because for one, Zach Taylor, you know, when talking about their offensive line issues said that they would rather get five guys in the pass route than use their guys to, to uh, you know, block. So that means, you know, Hayden Hurst, and that means Mixon or Pirine uh, at the running back position. So I, do, I don't think Mixon is actually going to be compromised in terms of his uh, ability to, to, to be out in the route catching passes. He has a 30% target per route rate over his last eight games. So that's yep. actually, that stabilizes, that stabilizes after about a little over 100 routes for, for running back. So that's, you know, that's something that we can kind of, you know, use, project with confidence that he's going to be targeted uh, at a very high rate when he's out on the field, pretty much only Jamar Chase is really rivaling him in terms of, uh, of target per route rate. And his is actually higher over the past eight games. So got to like that, even though P Ryan is mixing in a bit more, I think that'll kind of scare people off mixing because P Ryan played more snaps than mixing last week. So I think you'll see a little bit lower roster ship. And then you look at the matchup in the run game and you say, okay, well, Miami's backs, no success on the ground last week. 15 of 26, 15 carries for 26 yards, excuse me. But we've seen Buffalo play a ton of too high coverage, especially when they're facing elite pass games. So in this matchup, this is Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. I don't think Buffalo is going to be able to be as aggressive near the line of scrimmage. I think they're going to have to sit back in coverage a little bit more here and dare Cincinnati to run the ball. So Mixon outcarried P. Ryan last week, 11 to 2, even though P. Ryan saw more snaps. We know what P. Ryan's in there for. Pass blocking if they need it. Uh, and uh, he's going to play on, you know, the third downs more often than not. That's kind of been his role in this offense, you know, two minute hurry up. So, you know, I, I still expect P. Ryan to get his snaps. Uh, do like mm-hmm. him as a dart throw. But if this, if you're talking about contrarian game script, you're looking for carries and Mixon had an eight, 85 to 15%, uh, you know, him and P. Ryan last week and Taylor, the the Bengals were also quoted as saying that they love to run in the red zone uh, if a defense sits back in coverage that's kind of what they're looking for so I think he's a good touchdown bet I think his roster ship will be lower because of the be- coming off a bad game uh and I think the I, I think the targets will still be there uh even though P Ryan is cutting into his receiving usage what do you think yeah I like it especially like you said it's probably a Bengals win the game um lineup you want to build with mixing mm-hmm. in the captain slot but yeah I noticed that his you know his routes run rate dipped down to 26 percent but like you said I saw that he's had a few games where it was like over a 40 percent target route run per rate so um I expect him to get back up to that 45 percent routes run rate and targeted heavily so he could yeah. easily get five catches here plus you know he has massive upside didn't he have like the highest scoring game of the season this year like in the first half one of the uh, highest scoring games of the last two decades. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, it was against the Panthers, but it goes to show he does carry that upside. Um, you know, I wouldn't expect them to get 20 carries and 100 yards here necessarily, but he could easily get a couple touchdowns, like we said, five catches kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I can definitely get behind that. All right. So, yeah, those are those are my two plays. Uh, who do you like in, in terms of dart throws or just value plays? Other guys you're kind of filling out your lineup with. Do you like darts, Ted? Oh, Okay, I'm more of a, you know, a cornhole man myself. Yeah, yeah so I, I'm trying to sort through this mess um, behind Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis at the wide receiver position. Looks like Isaiah McKenzie is going to return this week, but I think John Brown could be sneaky. 
if he's active, of course, we don't know who they're going to elevate, who they're going to have inactive, but um, it, it also looks like there's a chance that Jamison Crowder could return. So they might have like eight slot receivers to, to <laughs> choose from here. So Brown's kind of the outlier where he's not really the slot guy. He, he typically comes in when Gabe Davis um, or Stephon Diggs needs a breather. So I think either way, he might be active, but again, we'll have to wait and see. Um, and last last week, he ran around on 33% of Allen's dropbacks. Obviously, you know, it's not going to be that high with McKenzie back, but they could, you know, run more four wide receiver sets this week. Plus the past three games, he has been active, even when, you know, McKenzie was healthy uh, for two of those. He's seen a target 40 plus yards downfield in all three of those games. Um, so he could easily, you know, break the slate with a single catch. Um, week 18 obviously had that long touchdown uh, for, you know, one, yeah, one catch for 42 yards and a touchdown. That's all we would need from him. So um, he'd be interesting again, if he's active, but we have a lot to sort through. Did, did you have an update on Crowder? Yeah, it, it looks like Crowder's trending toward not playing. Mm. So I think that Beasley is already signed to the active roster. So yeah. the real question is, you know, if we get that, that, that news that Brown is elevated, that means more than likely he's going to be active because right. there would be no point in elevating. He doesn't play special teams. There would be no point in elevating him. Uh, if he if he if they don't plan to make him active, so uh, just looking out for that. Um, by the time you guys hear this, you know we'll know. Uh, just you know, so if he's let's say Brown is not elevated, so you're 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 you going with McKenzie, uh, Shakir, and Beasley. Uh, do you have do you lean any which way uh, between those uh, three? Uh, probably McKenzie, but I think he'll be you know higher rostered. Obviously, everybody will know. Um, he'll he'll probably be the starter, but. Um, maybe Beasley again, it depends. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that I'll, I'll probably be waiting to see if Brown's active. If not, I'll probably avoid that situation entirely. Uh, cause I think all those guys kind they kind of need three to four catches to hit value. And if they're all kind of like sharing playing time, it's going to be hard for them to get there. So I'm really just looking for a guy that can just get one catch and hit value. So that's why for me, it's probably, Brown or bus. And it's kind of like, he's replacing that Jake Kumaro role Mm -hmm. um, again, where he's kind of just replacing Davis or Diggs. And there's some times where he's out there when like a one wide receiver set um, and they happen to throw the ball. That's actually the target he got um, last week was just a one wide receiver set. I think just showing like it was going to be a run and then they threw it to Brown. So he's more of that Kumaro role. So that's why I I prefer him. But if he's inactive, I'll probably avoid that uh, whole situation entirely. Is is there anybody out of that trio um, that you consider? I I think I would lean. I would I, I like Khalil Shakir the most. If, oh, if Brown's really? inactive, the reason yeah. being, if Brown's inactive, I think Shakir now takes that role because McKenzie's a slot receiver, and Beasley's a slot receiver. So now the only other guy that you have that can really play outside is. Shakir. And oh, by the way, look at his last two games. His average depth of target two weeks ago was 20. His average depth of target last week was 24 and a half. So he's getting targeted down the field recently, mm-hmm. uh, you know, down this in this stretch run. And he had a catch, one catch, 28 yards two weeks ago on two targets, uh, only nine routes. And then last week, 19 routes, four targets, three catches, 51 yards. And I believe he dropped another deep one. Uh, so it could have mm. even been a much bigger day. So I I do think if if we if Brown is not elevated, that signals to me that Shakir will be that kind of shot play give 
and, and give Davis Diggs a breather kind of thing. And that, and we should point out that Diggs and Davis have been getting a lot more breathers, even in these must-win games. It's uh, crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it is. So <laughs> Stefan Diggs, you know, I know a lot of people don't look at these route rates or they don't, because you have to kind of calculate them manually. I don't know if they're published anywhere, but uh, two weeks ago, Stefan Diggs, Eighty a route on eighty nine percent of the dropbacks, which is kind of low for a number one receiver. Usually, expecting you know mid nineties. Uh, and last week, in in what turned out to be a three point game, uh, he ran around on eighty five percent of the dropbacks. Davis eighty three percent of the dropbacks two weeks ago, eighty one percent last week. And they both had you know big games last week. So it's like you know sometimes you get a catch and you get hit, and then you come out of the game, you miss a play. Yeah. So that that's kind of what lowers that a little bit. But the point is. This offense is so explosive and and Josh Allen's so good that uh, if Shakir has to sub in for one of those guys and Brown is inactive, then yeah, I would expect another shot player or two down the field uh, to Khalil Shakir. So yeah, that that's who I would go with. I I, I have a lot of respect for uh, Hilton, the Bengal slot corner. I think he's pretty good. I know he'll blitz a lot. He's not purely yeah. a coverage guy, but uh, you know more often than not, uh, I think he he kind of could do his job. You know, in coverage as well, he's ranked 27th out of 123 qualified cornerbacks with a 73 uh, PFF grade, just over 73. So uh, he's been pretty good in coverage this year. I don't think this is the game where you want to kind of go all in on Beasley, McKenzie. Uh, right. Yeah, it's funny. Some of these digs, get, there was a game where I was sweating a digs prop. Um, and some of these 85% routes run games, it's like an equipment issue in game. Mm-hmm. Like there's sometimes he's, he's yeah. not wearing his mouthpiece. He gets hit and it goes flying off. And he has to go on the sideline for like two plays and they throw both plays and then it, it lowers his routes run rate. But uh, honestly, he should be out there like 90, 95% of the time. Always seems like there's some reason why he has to take a breather, but uh, yeah, no, I, I like it. And again, it's just one of those things where we'll just have to wait and see once the inactive report comes up, then we'll kind of have to scramble and, um, you know, update our projections, but definitely, you know, definitely a wide receiver group that you want to, pay attention to because like i said i think they will run more four wide receiver sets so i think all of these guys in some way will be involved here yeah and it's, it's we don't even need the inactives we just we'll know i think by the end of what day is this oh day? yeah if, if he's elevated I, yeah so yeah like, friday or even sometimes. early saturday like normal yeah. nfl saturday it would be saturday i think but oh, either okay. way we'll know we should get some like a 24-hour buffer yeah to, so uh that'll that'll be good uh okay who else do you like uh Derek? oh yeah so uh i hate going with this guy but gotta go smudge <laughs> Uh, just because, you know, Mixon dominated the rushing work last week, 61% versus 11% in the rushing share. But P. Ryan did dominate the receiving work. You know, he ran around 51% of Burrow's dropbacks compared to Mixon's 26. Like we said, it'll probably regress uh, probably more even uh, this time. But, you know, he didn't catch a pass with that kind of usage, so he could be overlooked uh, despite running a 51% route rate. So um, that could be an advantage for P. Ryan. What should be a trailing game script? So, Again, I always hate going with this guy, but I think P. Ryan's the dart throw here on the Bengals side. Yeah, no, I mean, we joke on him, but I, I got to give him props. I think he looks a, I think he looks a lot yeah, better this year. Sure. Uh, like last year, it was ki- like you saw him get in the game sometimes and it was kind of a head scratcher, although I think he had one big game in the playoffs. So, but like generally, you're just, it was kind of a head scratcher. This year, he looks, he looks pretty good. So, you know, they, they, they've stuck with him and, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of rewarding him. He's a very reliable guy. Uh, for them so I, I don't doubt that he will get playing time that's that's the Bengals Arthur I had written down too because I you know I I don't think you go with Mitchell Wilcox against a team that's number one against the tight end 
uh, in, in DVOA. I don't think, you know, I think Hurst is going to play a ton. I think there's not really a lot of true dart throws outside of, you know, Pirine checking in for Mixon uh, unless we see, you know, Higgins or, you know, Boyd get banged up again. You know, I know Higgins has a, a an ankle inch issue. Yep. So maybe Trenton Irwin gets a few more snaps or maybe there's mm-hmm. an in-game injury risk. So that's the only other guy I could say, okay, you know, maybe you give this a shot. But if you, if if Higgins or, or Boyd or Chase doesn't get go down, it looks like Irwin's returned to his, you know, 10 to 15% uh, snap rate, uh, you know, in the playoffs. So it's not really a, a high upside play unless you're, yeah. you're, you're kind of banking on an injury, whereas P. Ryan could very well lead the backfield in snaps for the second week in a row. Yeah, and I remember seeing us people on Twitter wonder if he's their best running back. Uh, there, there was that two, three-game stretch where Mixon was out. P. Ryan looked great. And I always like to remind people at Oklahoma, Mixon was P. Ryan's backup. So the, the script is flipped in the NFL, but at one point in time, Pirine was a starter and Mixon was the backup in college. But uh, yeah, Pirine has been uh, playing a lot better this year, but still, I will never forgive him um, for ruining that T. Higgins MVP 50 to 1 bet uh, last that we both had last year. Yeah, I mean, I blame I blame Zach Taylor. That I is blame, true. I actually, no, I blame Joe Mixon for not subbing himself back in the game. Cause, <laughs> that, yeah, because he blamed himself. Yeah, so, I guess so, everybody uh, but P. Ryan uh, was to blame. Technically, yeah, yeah. I mean, that offensive line didn't help, uh, which is could be an issue. I, it's an issue again <laughs> now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> one other guy, uh, again, not a true dart throw, but still pretty inexpensive, uh, and that's James Cook. And I think you know he's a guy that you definitely want to roster here because he outcarried Singletary nine, nine to seven, two weeks ago, 12 to 10 last week. And uh, in that first Bengals matchup, he also got the first care. Uh, he Singletary got the first carry cook got the next two and scored a touchdown. So it's been about three games now where it looks like they've kind of transitioned to cook mm-hmm. as their lead running back. So if you're making a, a lineup where you're saying, okay, I think Buffalo wins, maybe they cover the, the spread of five and a half. I think Cook is a guy that you want in your lineup uh, because, you know, he could get one. He might, he could even get two rushing touchdowns if things really break his way. Uh, you know, obviously if, if it's a trailing game script, then I think you would pivot to Singletary uh, or even Hines as a dart throw because it looks like they're kind of relegating Cook to about 20% or so of the pass snaps, which is not ideal. I mean, he still can catch passes and be explosive, but it looks like they don't trust him as much. Uh, as a blocker and they're more comfortable with Singletary. So he's a very specific game script type of play, but anytime you're the lead back, uh, especially, you know, the Bengals, we'll see how they play it. You know, maybe they kind of dare the bills to run uh, in this spot. Uh, I think you have some upside with uh, a pretty talented uh, rookie here. Yeah. His, his receiving usage is bizarre considering he was the top rookie um, and like top pass catching back from this class. So it's been frustrating, but maybe next year, he gets better, uh, you know, pass blocking. We, we see him use more. But, I mean, I've been ha- hammering his uh, the over on his rushing prop, like, a lot in the past six six weeks because he has out, been outplaying uh, Devin Singletary almost every week. I think the only reason Singletary gets carries is sort of like Jamal – well, Jamal Williams is really good, but like you said, yeah. leader carries. Yeah, they love him. Uh, they, they, he's a yeah. lo- beloved guy in the locker room, and he's very trusted. He's mo- exactly. Yeah. He's motor. So that's why he's getting – but – Cook has been outplaying him, so that's why I wasn't too shocked to see him, you know, outrush um, Singletary in the first round. But yeah, either way, he's definitely been the best back in this backfield. Yeah, it's he, Cook is just showing superior vision because you know yeah. they both they both average about the same about three yards after contact, which is about league average. But 
before contact, Cook, two and a half yards per carry. Singletary, just over one and a half. So mm. big, big discrepancy there uh, in terms of, you know, just hitting that hole. What do we got for the luck line? Luck be a lady tonight. Yeah, so another close one. Bengals are seventh. Bills are fifth. Um, you know, the, although last week was interesting because the Bills only beat the Dolphins by three, but our expected score had them winning by 13. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that oh, wow. was a great yeah, line by the market. Yeah, that, yeah the, the spread was good, I guess. But, uh, you know, Allen was very aggressive. Uh, and as a result, he threw two picks uh, and had that fumble that was returned for a touchdown. So this is an example of where the variance could go the other way, where he has a monster game without all the turnovers. So, um, you know, the Bills might be a good buy-low team. Whereas the Bengals, they won by seven, but our expected score had them losing by 10. If you look, uh, you know, the the Ravens outgained them by 130 yards. uh, And then the Bengals benefited from arguably the luckiest play of the year when Tyler Huntley fumbled the ball on the, what, inch line. um, And then Hubbard returned it for an 80-yard fumble return for a touchdown. So that was a huge turn of bench. Huge swing, very lucky play. So I, I guess you could say, you know, maybe the public is a little bit too high in Cincy and too low on Buffalo heading in this week, just based on last week's results anyway. Um, and plus, you know, the Bengals are dealing with some significant offensive line issues uh, here. So we'll we'll have to see if Jonah Williams can play. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely a spot where it seems like the sharp man, sharp money initially has been on the bills, but uh, I mean, initially I thought, you know, the, the Bengals getting three and a half or more was a good play, but just, you know, diving, diving into the results last week and injury report. Um, it seems like the bills might be the the sharp play here. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's one of those things where I don't, I, I feel like people might be overthinking it. Like 68% of the public is actually on Cincinnati, but 61% as we record yeah. this uh, of the money is on the bills. So the bills are definitely getting the big money. They are getting sharp action according to uh, our tracking in the app. But I mean, do you, like you do your power ratings every week. Do you, do you really, would you make this game six? Cause I wouldn't like, I no, wouldn't make no, this no, yeah, that, so I still, no, I, I, I think the sharks are overthinking <laughs> this one. As yeah, no, I, from, from the, I, I should always separate the two. When I, when <laughs> I discuss the luck rankings, I'm trying to discuss from those specifically and okay. keep my bias out of it. Sean Kerner absolutely loves the Bengals here. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah. No, it's like, and, and I'm not saying like, I, it's kind of a dead number. I don't, I don't, I doubt I'll be yeah, on either side yeah. of it, but I, I'm just saying if I had to go one way, I'm still taking the points uh, at this, at, at this point. I mean, the Bengals can win this game, you know, it's not, yeah. It, it, anytime you look at a dog, you know, yeah, it could win this game and they're getting, you know, yeah. more than a field goal. You got to stop yourself and say, okay, let me just oh. re reevaluate everything and just, okay, take a breath. Yeah. It's the, it's the dog. The dog's the play. Oh, I'm just saying from like the human point, like the motivational standpoint, I'm assuming, I'm hoping DeMar Hamlin will be there in person. Um, so it's going to be a very emotional game for ever, for everybody, obviously, but especially for the Bills at home, potentially have him there. So like things like that, um, you know, can really be powerful. So that's uh, one reason why, you know, I, I'm not interested in fading the Bills right now, but at least in terms of my power ratings, um, I'm I'm about two points off of this. Yeah, I mean five and a half. What an ugly number. I mean, right. It's like you're you're essentially, you know, if you, if you you're essentially betting on the Bills to win by a, a touchdown, uh, which I mean, they we've seen them do that a lot in the past, yeah. but usually against bad teams or average teams. This is a pretty good Bengals team even with the line issues. But I think if you do want to create like Bills 
uh, positive game script, you know, and it is and not just like obviously a Josh Allen centric one. I mm. think it's interesting to go Cook, uh, maybe even in the captain spot, maybe, but uh, Cook and the Bills defense, because as you mentioned, you made a good point. Like the Bengals defense got super lucky and the Bills, you know, the opposing defense to the Bills got super lucky mm. in the last game. So we could see that flip. And, you know, last time there was like all oh, this DeMar Hamlin motivation, Naeem Hines returned two kicks for touchdowns. So mm-hmm. I do like the Bills defense special team, uh, you know, in the right spots. And one of those would be stacked with uh, with James Cook, who we expect to get the most carries uh, if it's a positive game script for Buffalo. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. All right, let's jump to Dallas-San Francisco, the final game uh, of the divisional round weekend San Francisco favored by looks like it's up to four again. And the total is 46. Uh, so this one is one where again, dog getting more, more than a field goal here, but uh, still probably expect a, a, a reasonably close game. Uh, what are you doing with the captain spot? I'm going with Debo Samuel here. Um, it's the playoffs, So, you know, I immediately look at Gabe Davis, Debo Samuel in these spots, but last week it was interesting because, you know, we both had Christian McCaffrey's over uh, on his rushing prop. It was Debo who actually saw the first two yep. rush attempts of the game. Obviously that was just planned well in advance. He only saw one more the rest of the way, but you know, they didn't really need him that much against the Seahawks. They ended up winning that pretty easily um you know he had a monster game through the air six catches 133 yards and a touchdown uh huge part uh l- large part due to his 74 yard catch and run um but you know this is a spot we could see max usage here um in what should be a much closer game so uh, both games last year where he had 10 or more rush attempts uh were in the playoffs i'm not saying he's going to top 10 rush attempts here. They have Christian McCaffrey now, so they don't need him that much. But I, I would not be shocked if he gets, you know, four to six uh, direct handoffs here. Um, you know, I, I could just see them using him very heavily here. So this is a spot where I, I want to load up on Debo in the captain slot because I think he has the clearest path uh, to a ceiling game. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Debo always been very good against zone coverage. Both of these teams uh, near the top of the league mm. uh, in, in zone. So, uh, yeah, like Debo a, a lot here. They're always going to find ways to get him the yeah. ball, and he's always a threat to to turn a short pass into a long game or, or a run into a long game. 
Uh, I'm going with CeeDee Lamb here, uh, you know, kind of playing up that the Cowboys are the dog in this spot. And, you know, Lamb is 10th among 93 qualified wide receivers in yards per route run versus zone coverage, just under 2.3. He also is tied for first in the league. He's one of three players that has five touchdown receptions against zone coverage. So uh, I think Lamb is a good bet to get in the end zone for Dallas. And his last eight games, he's had at least 16 DraftKings points and at least 13 FanDuel points in seven of his last eight games. The only one uh, he failed to produce in was against the Houston Texans, who actually are were very good against wide receivers this year. They They limited the production of wide receivers. Uh, with, with that zone, teams ended up throwing a tight end a lot more in the back. So uh, not really knocking CD for that, but uh, he's just been so consistent. And I think, you know, with a potential negative game script here, unlike last week, uh, I think you could really see him uh, have to produce a, a high volume of catches. You know, he had a, a 10 catch game in, in week 16. He had an 11 catch game in week 17. Uh, I think you could see him kind of get back to that level of volume uh, in this one. If San Francisco keeps doing what they do, which is put up points uh, with Brock Purdy at the helm here. So uh, love me some CeeDee Lamb in the captain spot. Yeah, I, I like it. And the Niners secondary has been pretty beatable lately. You know, yeah. Metcalf had his way with them. Uh, AJ Green had his way with them in week 18. Oh, yeah. uh, Devontae Adams had a massive game. Uh, and then all three commanders receivers all exceeded expectations that game as well. So um, while they're still a good defense, just the secondary specifically – has been beatable, especially lately. Yeah, it's been kind of surprising because that you know yeah. I look, <laughs> see like their their overall metrics, and I know they you know they they, they they've been good. They don't allow many touchdowns, and they're they're doing what they're supposed to do. But mm-hmm. just the, the raw pass defense metrics, uh, not great in all aspects. Like they are giving up some yardage here, uh, to to opposing uh, pass games. Uh, who do you like for dart throws or just guys that you uh you know think represent good value? Uh, for this Niners Cowboys game. Y'all take your darts over here pretty seriously, huh? Yeah, so on the Niners side, uh, there aren't many dart throws. Uh, so I'm going with your guy, Rary McLeod. <laughs> um, probably the greatest uh, convince me bet of all time to kick off our studio, of course, um, with zero catches last week. But, you know, Juwan Jennings banged up um, this week. Even if he does play, I think McLeod could see an uptick um, in snaps. And he doesn't need that much playing time uh, to make a huge play. He has a 71-yard run and a 42-yard catch um, in two of the last four games. So uh, he could, you know, he could hit value with a single touch. So he's just sort of an injury upside play with Juwan Jennings um, banged up. Plus he's, you know, they're kick returners. So if you want to stack him with the Niners defense, that's an option as well on the showdown site. So I think Ray Ray McLeod could be sneaky, but, you know, the the Niners offense is so top heavy. uh, It's really hard to find value outside of the main players. So I think, this not week, not last week, obviously, but this week, McLeod might actually get a catch. Um, and then on Dallas's side, I have to go Jake Ferguson, uh, just because last week, you know, the Cowboys used more two tight end sets, and you know, they've been kind of splitting time between Peyton Hendershot and Ferguson. But last week, it was Ferguson, um, getting all those two tight end snaps, so uh, he had a 24% routes run rate, made a really nice 34 yard catch and run last week, uh, always a vulture touchdown threat. And Dak loves throwing to his uh, tight ends in the red zone this season. So, you know, he's a sneaky bet for a touchdown here. Uh, but overall, he's he's just a solid play um, if you're looking for a cheaper option on Dallas's side. Yeah, you look at Ferguson. I mean, he's had, 
He's had a, a game where he went three for 57, 440 and one. That the 34-yard catch, he had a game where he had a 24-yard catch. So he definitely has some some upside uh in terms of being able to to pop a big play. And yeah, he he'll get a red zone target here and there uh as well. So uh yeah, I like Ferguson. And, and I think I think he's a good play in a Dallas leading game script, actually, because mm. I, again, I think that's when you're going to, you know, look at the Bucks game, you know, they, the Cowboys are blowing them out most of the game. So you saw an uptick in that two tight end usage. Uh, and I think that would, would continue if they were able to uh, get a lead early on San Francisco. Yeah. Just as always, like we say with rookie tight ends, um, you know, that typically takes them some time to adjust to the NFL. So later in the season, he's getting better. He was a fourth round, um, you know, rookie tight end. Like he was a legit prospect heading in the season. So um, looks like he's slowly kind of breaking out. So he's he's one of those rookie tight ends I like investing in later in the season. Yeah, absolutely. For I'm going with uh, for the Niners side, I'll go with uh, Elijah Mitchell here. He had nine carries for two yards last week, so <laughs> not not yeah. not ideal. But uh, he also caught two of three targets for 25 yards and a touchdown. Now he played 14 offensive snaps. He got a rush attempt or a target on 12 of those 14 offensive snaps. So that kind of tells you what the plan is with him to try to maximize him while still not really taking too much away from McCaffrey is, you know, when Mitchell gets in the game, you know, they're going to use him, and, and the defense knows it com- knows it's coming last week. That mattered, but uh, we saw, you know, prior to this, you know, he's still averaged, he averaged 6.2 yards in attempt in the regular season. So, uh, you know, I don't think that, you know, just because he had you know, a, a 0.2 yards per, per carry last week, that that's going to be every week. Uh, I think he rebounds here uh, against this Dallas defense. So uh, I think he has some upside because we you, you, we don't know exactly how much San Francisco is going to run the ball. You know, they 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 are known. We've seen them in, in past playoff games come out super run heavy. Now, they haven't had to do that yet, but you know, at any given time that could, that could happen, especially if they, you know, look at the, what this Dallas offense did last week to a pretty solid bucks defense when healthy uh, maybe San Francisco, this is the week San Francisco says, Hey, you know, we have to, to, to kind of play keep away and run the ball and hit that outside zone. And so, uh, you know, Mitchell has like double digit carry upside. Uh, he even has outside shot at getting a hundred rushing yards if he's super efficient. So mm-hmm. uh, love him. And I think it will be a little overlooked because, you know, no one's really expecting him to repeat uh, the receiving touchdown. Yeah, he's just a good buy low option just because I was too, super high on him going into last week's game. And, you know, he busted the, the nine carries for two yards, but he could easily bounce back this week. So you might catch him at like a lower roster ship. So he's, he's a sneaky leverage play here. Yeah, and pretty and still pretty cheap. And yeah, if, if yeah. you know, God forbid anything happens to McCaffrey, uh, you're getting mm-hmm. a, a big dose uh, of Elijah Mitchell. I mean, nine carries ain't bad. 11, right. 11 touches <laughs> ain't bad. Uh, for for your first play, well, not his first play, first playoff game of the year for the team, uh, and then on the other side, uh, got to go to Ty Hilton. Uh, last week, you know, said, "Hey, I'm gonna go pivot to Noah Brown." It turned out like it didn't really matter. Both of them didn't really do much, yeah. but uh, Hilton did overtake Brown in terms of route participation. Hilton ran a route on fifty one percent of the dropbacks. Brown dropped to thirty five percent. So that seems like it's uh, kind of been on the cusp of happening for, for a while now. So I, I think there's a good chance that Hilton operates as the number three receiver yet again. And that could be a lot more valuable if we're talking about a, a trailing game script, which the Cowboys did not have last week. So uh, Hilton also has been great uh, against zone coverage, which I mentioned the Niners uh, have done at the third highest rate. Uh, Hilton 
leads the Cowboys with about 4.9 yards per route against zone and against man 0.6. So massive, massive difference uh, between uh, the schemes here. And, and uh, I think he'll see more of that coverage and he can still run. So uh, like him, especially where I think he's only he's 400 more than Brown uh, mm. on DK. So you're not really, you don't really have to pay up of to get the the guy that is running more routes. Yeah, his routes run rate have shot up uh, in each of his four games this season, but they really shot up last week. And then going back to just how the Cowboys ran more two tight end sets last week, probably due to the, the leading game script, but that that led to fewer routes available mm-hmm. for Noah Brown and T.Y. Hilton. So if that goes up, we could see T.Y. run over, what, 60% routes run rate pretty easily here um, if they go back to their normal uh, you know, three wide sets. So yeah, he has massive upside. Plus, a guy like him, he only needs one or two catches to potentially break the slate. Yeah, they combined for only about an 86% uh, share of the, yeah. the routes. Uh, and uh, usually you'd expect that uh, around 95% uh, combined yep. for that, you know, that shared what number three receiver role. So uh, yeah, there's some, there's some, I mean, there's even some upside with Brown to run more routes, but right. I, I think Hilton has the better matchup and is obviously yeah. Uh, the you know looks like the more productive player but I mean if you're creating like 150 lineups I think you kind of build the same lineup and swap in both of them uh, just because I think Brown will probably be even more overlooked obviously be more overlooked than than Hilton so kind of the same thing applies as last week still it's like no one's going to touch him he's still going to be out there uh, a decent amount all right uh, what do we got for uh, luck rankings for this one Oh, we finally have a luck ranking game. So the the Cowboys ranked first, so the luckiest team, while the um, Niners are 12th. So that's a luck differential of 11. So we're typically looking for a game to have at least 10 in luck differential to start considering it. But when you look at luck rankings 2.0, we're um, trying to sharpen up the expected score a bit. Uh, This game actually jumps out to a luck differential of 22. Mm. Um, and last week, uh, the, the Niners Seahawks game, um, was a pretty big luck differential with luck 2.0. So something to consider there, but, um, you know, when, when it comes to last week's game, Dallas actually got pretty lucky. Uh, they were the second luckiest team last week. I think a lot of that had to do with Tom Brady's interception Yeah, in the end zone. Those kind of plays, um, are considered lucky, but like you said, he's 67 years old. <laughs> uh, in that game i think at one point he was 80 years old according oh yeah to calculations. He, he's getting so. up to the century mark real quick real quick so so uh maybe they just got lucky with their opponent in the first round of the playoffs but uh either way luck rankings does like the 49ers here yeah that's interesting because i you know I, I i think the sharps are on dallas i think the line yeah. the line did drop but then it went back up to four as we're recording this so kind of been some movement with some of these numbers but uh yeah i think that that kind of goes into uh, a guy like uh, Elijah Mitchell, you know, if you want to look yeah. at like a 49ers winning game script, obviously McCaffrey, uh, but a guy like Elijah Mitchell, they could have two running backs uh, that hit value if they're they're ahead in the game and they're trying to keep the, the Cowboys off the field and they're having some success on the ground. So, uh, and then, you know, as a dart throw, I mean, we saw last week, Jordan Mason got some carries at the end. So if the Niners do get up, uh, you know, maybe out to more than a one score lead, you might even see some Jordan Mason start to mix in uh, at, at that number three back. So uh, that's that's what you got to kind of consider here 
if you, do you agree with the lug yep. rankings? And uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 definitely uh, definitely interesting because I noticed that I was like that interception's gotta be yeah. that's just and, and granted that Dallas played a great game after that and just mm-hmm. blew them out. But I mean that was just that kind of set them up for the rest of the game. It was like all right, like <laughs> that yeah. was a big swing right there. Yep. That is gonna do it for our divisional Sunday slate uh, preview here on the fantasy flex. Be sure to check out uh, the full luck rankings list at actionnetwork.com uh, for more great fantasy content from Sean and myself. You can check out our full uh, player props episode out over on the Action Network podcast channel uh, and our Saturday slate DFS preview episode that's right here on this channel, actionnetwork.com, for all of our NFL betting and fantasy content as well as fantasylabs.com for our DFS tools and models. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. You can find me at Chris Raybon and we're at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Enjoy the divisional round. And of course, let's get this money. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.